Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we continue our study of Sefer Melachim with chapter 13, Perak Yud Gimel. In last Perak, uh, Israel was split in two, a state of affairs that's going to continue through the destruction of the first base Hamikdash. We read about the sweeping, terrible religious reforms instituted by Yeravam, the king of the north, including changes of the date of Sukkis to the next month, uh, appointing himself as the Kohen Gadol, among various other things. But those are two important elements uh, just to understand kind of the context of uh, the parak that we now begin. Right, And he's, of course, also established a temple, one in Beit El, one in Dan. So our parak opens at what seems to be the inauguration of this temple in Beit El during this pseudo-Sukkis festival with Yeravam serving as the Kohen Gadol. And he's in the midst of this service, and we're told that a Navi, a man described as an Ish Elohim, a man of God, uh, was sent to Yeravim. And this was a, a prophet from the tribe of Yehuda, from, the, from what is now the kingdom of Yehuda, the southern kingdom. He calls to Yeravim, and he basically chastises him for his egregious sins. However, as we already have seen in the past when it came to uh, Natan HaNavi, it's, it's not always safe or wise to directly confront a king. It's, it's kind of a dangerous business to be a prophet when your responsibility is to, you know, to, to quote the cliche, speak truth to power, but that's really what uh, the prophet must do. Uh, and especially in a situation like this, which would be a very public display, a very public spectacle. And so this unnamed prophet, who's identified in Divrei Hayamim as Ido, uh, chastises not the king, but the altar. He calls out, he addresses the altar that Yeravim is worshiping upon. And he basically prophesies what amounts to a threat. And he says that there will be a king uh, named Yoshiahu, who will one day be born, and he's going to kill all of these kind of false priests uh, who are worshiping on Bamot, on these uh, non-Bes Hamikdash altars. And uh, human bones are going to be burnt on this altar. People are going to die. And he's prophesying about something that's going to happen three centuries later, but it, it, it amounts, to, uh, amounts to a threat, right? It's basically saying that you're all doomed to die. And, and he's, he's really skipping the part where he says what you're doing is wrong, but it's clear from the, this impending doom, this impending punishment, that, uh, that they are engaged in a sin, that what they are doing is wrong, and ultimately they're going to pay the price. Then, he provides a sign to prove that he is speaking the truth. And he says that the altar is going to crack and the ashes that are upon it are going to spill over. And before that happens, Yeravim, you know, sticks out his hand, points at him and says, you know, seize that man. And as he does that, an- another miracle happens and his, the, the hand of the king of Yeravim uh, is, uh, is, is frozen. It's paralyzed. Just then, the altar, in fact, does split and the ashes spill over. And Yeravim, of course, seeing all this happen, is, is, is shaken, and he immediately recognizes that this man is actually a true prophet, and he's speaking the truth, and he quickly ch- changes his tune. He asks the prophet, firstly, to pray on his behalf so that his hand will become uh, mobile once more, which, which is what happens. And then he asks the prophet if he will stay and, uh, and dine with him and, 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 and break bread with him. But the Navi refuses. This Navi, Ido, says, Hashem has commanded me uh, not to eat and drink with the people of the northern kingdom, not to eat and drink in this place. 
which serves to once again not so subtly communicate to Yerevam that his religious reforms, quote-unquote, are in fact extremely sinful, that Hashem despises them, and that they're being viewed as if they are essentially Avodah Zarah. Um, saying, I can't break bread with you, is a very powerful statement. And then the prophet leaves. Up until this point, the Perak is a fairly straightforward account of a prophetic intervention into a king's wicked behavior. This is kind of classic Navi stuff. But then things get bizarre. And the story of, the, of this Navi, of Ido, uh, becomes kind of in and of itself a, a kind of prophetic uh, vision or parable uh, with, with a kind of message. I'll explain. We'll see what that means. So the, the prophet is now headed home. Ido is heading back to the southern kingdom when a Naviza Cain, an older prophet from the northern kingdom, runs after him. This older prophet heard about Ido's intervention and his prophecy because this older prophet's children were present for the ceremony. They came home, they told their father everything that took place, and then immediately he runs after Ido. He catches him and he invites Ido back to his house for a meal. And, uh, and Ido once again explains, no, Hashem forbade me from eating in this place. But then the older prophet says, but Hashem told me that you must. Hashem gave me a prophecy to tell you to come and eat in my house. And, uh, and the text itself tells us on the spot that this was in fact a fabrication. This was a lie. Nonetheless, Ido is tricked, and he goes back to this older prophet's house, and he dines with him. At which point, Hashem then communicates to Ido through the older prophet. So this, this Navi Zakain uh, is, is now the vehicle through which Hashem communicates to Ido. And, and Hashem tells Ido that since you, you failed to follow my mission, I told you, do not eat in this place. Don't eat or drink here in the north. Uh, since you didn't listen to me, you're going to die, and in fact, you're not going to be buried in your ancestral home. Ido then leaves the older prophet's house, and on his way home, he is killed by a lion. Lions, by the way, were uh, quite numerous in, uh, in ancient Israel, which is uh, given witness by the fact that in biblical Hebrew, there are no less than five words for a lion, so that demonstrates that, uh, uh, that they were indeed quite prevalent. Um, So he's attacked by a lion in this kind of miraculous mini-story, the details of which I'm not going to get into, and he is buried in the northern kingdom in the parcel of land belonging to this older prophet, who is the one who ultimately buries him. And the parrot concludes by telling us that after this happened, Yeruvim did not repent from his ways. The message ends up falling on deaf ears. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. A lot is just mysterious. So many questions. Here, here are just a few. Firstly, how do we judge this older prophet, this Naviza Cain? Was he a real prophet who just lied one time regarding Hashem's message uh, for Ido? Or was this really a false prophet who received one true prophecy when Hashem uses him as the vehicle to chastise Ido? In which case, this is like a, a similar situation, perhaps, to the witch of Endor, who is a charlatan, but one time, uh, actually works, her necromancy actually works in bringing up Shmuel, right? That's one telling of that, of that Perek. Uh, perhaps this is a similar situation where he is a Navi Sheker, but Hashem uses him as a vehicle to then uh, chastise Ido. So th- th- there's that question. And in a related, uh, a related question is, 
what was the intention of this Navi Zakain in going and tracking down Ido? Was he going because he wanted to trip up Ido? He wanted Ido to then go back to his home and, and eat and as a result be punished in the way that he was? Was that his intent? Or was he really trying to just bring Ido back so that he could speak with him and understand his message and try to help him sort out the, the best way forward? Right? So we don't know, was he always acting in bad faith? Or was he really trying to just act reasonably and, and understand Ido's message and it ultimately proved it turned out very poorly? So there's, there's so many questions. Really, many more can be heaped upon these two, but those are some very basic ones. But rather than zoom in on any one of these questions, I'd rather zoom out and consider the broader message of the, of the Perek and this kind of latter turn of events, which I think remains intact pretty much no matter how you sort out the particulars uh, of these questions and of other related questions. Ido was told explicitly not to break bread in the north. Then... He is told that Hashem contradicted his vision by telling a different prophet something else. Now, we might be sympathetic to Ido. Here, here is this sagacious-looking northern prophet, this older established prophet who, who may have been very convincing. But nonetheless, by listening to that prophet, Ido was not only failing to honor Hashem's command to listen to the very explicit command of Hashem, he's accepting the very notion that Hashem could tell one thing to one prophet and then contradict himself by telling another prophet something completely different. And I think that might be the essential, really terrible mistake for which Edo pays the ultimate price. Because it's a message that gets very much to the heart of the broader political and religious fight that is currently taking place. It touches on Yeravam's reforms. There is one Torah. There is one set of mitzvos, one set of religious norms. One can assume that when Yeravam introduced his sweeping and fundamental regime of religious reforms, he also had this, a certain campaign of false prophecy. He needed to convince the entire nation, the ten tribes, that indeed Hashem has given a completely new Torah, in a sense, right? This is, this is a massive a facelift and change to, to all that was prior to this. But the message of Yido and his death is that Hashem does not deliver a message to a prophet and then contradict that prophecy. The Torah, which was delivered to Moshe and through Moshe, cannot be undermined by another prophetic vision. In that way, I think Yido's death is in and of itself a kind of prophetic message responding to the sins and the mistakes of Yeravam and the people in the northern kingdom. But ultimately, it is a message that Yeravam does not um, internalize. In fact, perhaps he altogether misinterprets it. Seeing the death of Edel, Yeravam does not repent. Instead, it seems to open up the door. It allows him to ignore Edel's message altogether. And Yeravam continues in his sinful efforts and on his sinful trajectory. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.